0: Welcome to The Cobot Show, the podcast that breaks down the barriers of industrial automation. My name is Danielle Marlette from Universal Robots, and this podcast is a little special. We have the opportunity to listen to Steve Crow from the Robotics Business Review interviewing president of the world's number one collaborative robot company, Jurgen von Hollen. They discuss how Universal Robots has evolved over the last nine years, how they're handling the pandemic, and the competitive landscape. Now, without further ado, let's listen to Steve and jurgen
1: We're joined now by Jürgen von Hollen, president of collaborative robotics leader Universal Robots. He's joining us from Denmark. Jürgen, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me on. How are things in Denmark right now? You know, obviously, everybody's dealing with the, the pandemic, and uh, how are things over there for you?
2: Well, you know, I think Denmark was one of the first countries that, that really... Um, Implemented the restrictions pretty quickly and, and drastically um, But it's also been one of the first countries to kind of loosen them as well. So we're, we're almost heading back to normal um, I'll call it the new normal uh, uh, right now, so you know, we have kids going back to school already and um, Businesses running and, and, and be opening up. So from that perspective, it's it's pretty back to normal
3: Wow, that's pretty impressive uh, we're still not quite there yet here in the United States, but Uh, there's certainly hope that businesses can reopen without necessarily uh, invoking another wave of infections. So Juergen, tell us how did you get into robotics and and what brought you to Universal Robots?
2: Well that's a a good question. I you know almost I would say over over four years ago I was contacted by somebody who um, explained to me that there's a company called Universal Robots that was looking for a president and um, I had, to that point in time, had never heard of Universal Robots. And I was um, running a division, um, an automation division, uh, for a German company, a very large division. And um, the fact that I didn't know them kind of put me off. And I actually declined um, uh, the, the the offer to, to meet, uh, uh, the, the, yeah, th- at that time, it was Teradyne um, executives who had just acquired the company. Um, so from, from that perspective, that's how I kind of started looking, understanding what universal robots was about. And, um, at some point in this process, I think it was the second or third time when I had the discussion that I said, well, you know what, I, I think it's kind of interesting, this is kind of a unique opportunity. And that's when I, I think it was, uh, you know, March or three months later that I actually, um, agreed to have a, a first uh, meet and greet. And, and, and so that's how I kind of got into the business. I'm sure you're 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 happy looking back on things that you you know sort of changed your mind there. Oh, absolutely! In fact, it was quite uh, funny because I was actually at a McKinsey uh, conference, and um, they were talking about the, the companies that were considered the leaders. And suddenly, I saw Universal Robots in this you know digitization industry 4.0, and it had UR at the top right hand quadrant. And I said, wow, that's the company. <laughs> and that's what kind of got me going. I said, wow, okay, I, I think this is bigger than I actually think it is. And, yeah, you know, in, in hindsight, it's probably been, you know, almost four years now. Probably the most interesting, exciting, tiring four years of my life. But it's been truly the best. Well, this is a special
1: RBR50 edition of the podcast. And, you know, Universal Robots has been on the list each of the nine years that we've done this list. So, you know, kudos to everyone at Universal Robots that has, you know, created innovation and continued to innovate throughout the years. Uh, Sort of a two-part question here. You know, what does that honor mean to you guys to be on the RBR50 list? And how does the company itself continue to maintain its culture of innovation?
2: Yeah, you know, I think, first of all, I I think the recognition is uh, something that's special to us because if it was just any general business review kind of thing um where where they were saying okay you're pretty innovative that would be one thing but for us it's almost like we're, we're being evaluated um by robotics experts and people who understand the business and that means a lot to us right i think it, that kind of recognition gives us comfort that we're going down the right path and I think that's uh, for, for us important. And that's my personal target as a company is not, you know, yes, we we invented a product or a technology or a marketing, a market group. But for me, much more fundamental is how do we maintain this consistent, sustainable innovation over and over again? Because that's a whole different culture. It's a whole different process um, that you need to have. So the recognition me means that we've been able to do this now nine times and my hope is that we'll do it for the next 20 times as well. So that's kind of the, the one thing about the recognition and, and, and what it means to us. Um, the second part of your question, you know, for me, what's what we're doing to maintain innovation, I think this is, comes down to one of my one key reasons why I actually took the role at UR was because it's not just about the product or the technology. It's about so many different things that we're innovating at the same time. It's the, the, the business model, which you know, includes the ecosystem. It's our go to market, um, you know, and oh, it's also the technology, right? So there's all these things that are in constant motion and having to be developed. So, you know, we, we, we look at innovation at UR as being much, much more than just the product or the technology. It, it's really all things playing in unison together to actually create something that's, for me, differentiated uh, and, and a sustainable differentiation for the long term.
3: Well, and part of that differentiation is you've helped inform and grow the, the market for collaborative robots. I know that our site, uh, Collaborative Robotics Trends, and Universal itself have published a lot of great case studies. What is it that cobot uh, end users are learning, or, or what have you learned in growing the market with them
2: well i think it's a good point right so i think one of the things that i would see is one of the biggest barriers to growth in collaborative robots over the last five ten years has been the fact that people were just not aware of what a collaborative robot is and i still believe despite everything that's happened so far and all the marketing we've done and communication we still have not reached all the potential customers out there and and the market. So, so I think it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's it's one of the things where we spend a lot of our investment money into is awareness building of collaborative robots. And I think, you know, the collaborative robotics trends and, and case studies, what we notice is that case studies are so important for people to understand because, you know, putting a robot, a naked robot or a photo of something, it doesn't really connect the person's brain to, Oh, that actually works for me. Because you've really got to think about it as a, you know, if you're a customer and you've inherited a machine shop from your great-grandfather, um, the machines are 20 years old. I don't think you would really think about applying a robot to a 25-year-old TNC machine. But that's exactly that, that sweet spot kind of activity or application that we would like to go to.
1: We're joined by Jürgen von Hollen, president of Universal Robots. We have an article in the works about how sort of the the, the COVID nineteen pandemic has affected companies that are building autonomous mobile robots? I'm just curious how this has impacted the operation for Universal Robots, you know, with the installations and remote trainings or you know remote consultations. Uh, how, how have things changed for for UR in the last couple months?
2: Yeah, so I think. You know, when when this really started kicking off, I think we were um, like most companies, pretty surprised, and we scrambled to make sure that our operations supply chain um, was robust and capable of still delivering. Uh, the same with our cobots. We actually, within 24 hours of when we heard that borders were being closed, we were unsure if we could still get goods out. So we actually over a Saturday and, and Sunday, we actually physically moved goods, cobots, outside of Denmark into four different countries to ensure that we can maintain delivery of the cobots. Um, so that was the first thing we kind of uh, did. I think as we go through um, and look over the, the last three or four months, you know, I would say that the first few months was... A lot of learnings going on, right? We a lot of lessons learned about how do we do this virtually? Can we do it virtually? And we were, um, if we look back now, I would say you know we're we're pretty effective in a virtual way. We've only got about 20% of our staff in the offices, and and so 80% are work from home, and um, that that really was a challenge for us to of course um, understand uh, how to do that effectively and. We, we are still, let's say, optimizing that. But one of the things that we actually had to do very quickly was um, basically look at our launch calendar of different products and, and applications, like the application kit. And those things were all planned to be delivered in you know offline events. So we very quickly had to go to virtual and digital. And, and I, I would say, Probably the biggest learning and with a positive around it is the fact that we, our ability to now drive the business virtually or in a digital way. Um, And what we've noticed is that digital actually has a much, much more powerful outreach than we actually ever imagined. And that was also something that a lot of our traditional salespeople had to understand and now believe in it as well. So that's been a, a positive. I think... If we look at the UR Academy and all our other activities, we, we've been a global company from day one. So, you know, the Danish market was never big enough for us to be able to grow the, or scale the business. So everything we had was built in the concept of outreach virtually or digitally. So we, we haven't changed that much, but we have, of course, scaled it to support more and more remote learning and training activities, but also... You know, we've redefined Academy as also our own internal training and development base. So that, you know, how do we train our managers to work and and manage in a virtual environment? That's kind of where we're going with that.
3: How much of your uh, customer base are SMEs versus big automakers right now? Yeah,
2: you know, so one of the things I would say is if you look at UR from its inception, the, the concept was to focus on the SMEs. So coming back to when I joined the company in, in 2016, I went out and started meeting customers. And then I realized that we actually had quite a few large customers. And the difference was the large customers had kind of figured out what to do with collaborative robots. We didn't have to tell them or market it to them, per se. It was uh, so, and and if you look over the last years, you can actually see it go up and down. but. I would say we're probably at a 50% basis right now to even split between large customers and small and medium, if you can define that that small, medium to large. But that's that's always an ongoing discussion that we have ourselves. But we're around that 50% mark.
1: One thing I want to try to get a better handle of is, you know, you guys are owned by Teradyne. They also own Mir Mobile Industrial Robots, AutoGuide Mobile Robots, which is a recent acquisition, and then EnerGid. You know, you made an announcement uh, maybe a few months ago now that you are in, in mobile industrial robots, or building a, a cobot hub uh, in Denmark. What's the co- collaboration like between the Teradyne owned companies? I know you probably can't share too much, but just what, what? How how often are you guys working together to try to drive the industry forward?
2: Yeah, so I think you know one of the things that we have is all the companies that are coming on board. Um, in this industrial automation segment within Teradyne, we, we we're trying to leverage, of course, lessons learned. And I would say you are has you know the largest base. We're over 700 plus people now. Um, we've we've built uh, a robust let's say process, um, uh, you know whether it's marketing department, sales, etc. So we're definitely trying to support each other from that perspective, saying hey, you can help. We can help you here. But it's not from a, a, a end customer perspective yet. Every company that comes on board, of course, is very focused on hitting their target specifically. Um, and where a customer says, Hey, I want a collaboration or I want a UR and a mirror together in a product, our our channel, our ecosystem works on delivering that solution and we support it. But it's so I would say it's it's so far relatively reactive to what we are looking at from a product perspective. And it's proactive, looking at, let's say, the back office support um, processes on on that level. That's kind of where we are today.
3: And speaking of partnerships, we know that UR has done a a great job of developing its own ecosystem. We've seen a real proliferation of end of arm tooling and vision guided applications in the past few years. Uh, Do you expect that growth to
0: continue?
2: Well I think it's interesting because I, I, I you know when we started the UR plus uh, platform um, in 2016 we were uh, we, we, we had this concept and we started it it was very difficult to get attraction or people attracted to them to the platform and then we were actually questioning it and then somewhere at the end of 16, early seventeen it started taking off and and I think what we saw is that people started to understand the potential, behind what, I mean, what we term today as the platform, which is the UR Cobot. It just offers as a, you know, the potential to offer solutions to customers. So my my view is that we've seen this growth in the platform. It has continued over all the years. If you were to ask me the future, I would say that the platform has, it will continue to grow It will diversify. I think we will see more and more people attracted to collaborative robots and and that that segment simply due to the growth potential or the forecasted growth of the market itself. And I think it will always attract new companies, new innovations. I think UR has a a challenge which we have to go after, which is how do we get more out of that ecosystem together? How do we leverage things out of that UR Plus platform? Because there's so much potential in that. And coming back to the sustainable differentiation, being able to, you know, it was just you are, we're one company. If we are looking at the ecosystem, including our distributors and system integrators, there's over 12, 1400 companies that are kind of going down the path together. That's way more effective than just one. So being able to enable that um, ecosystem to, to kind of become, really focused on what we're trying to deliver, that is really our challenge. Cobots have been used in in many
1: types of applications, obviously, you know, automotive manufacturing, machine tending, pick and place operations. Uh, a good friend of yours, uh, Esben Ostergaard, uh, co-founder of Universal Robots, just launched a new company called Lifeline Robotics, where they're using two UR3 Cobot arms to do throat swabbing uh, to help with COVID-19 testing. Just what are some of the most unique
2: uh, COBOT applications you've seen lately, Jurgen? That's always a good question because I, I probably don't see them all. I, I think one of the things I will, well, Let me start with one thing. I would say the crisis has kind of made me proud to see how people are using the technology. Um, and I'm talking about end users who are redeploying their production lines uh, to deliver... You know, PPE equipment, or whatever it might be to kind of support the challenge of, of the crisis. And I think it, it it kind of underlines how we envisage the technology to be used in a flexible way, quick, easy, simple. And, and that has been done without a lot of support from anybody from UR or anything else. That's just the end user using the technology, redeploying it. So from that perspective, and, you know, that, that's the one part I would say from an applications perspective that we've seen in the news come out that says, oh, hey, there's a UR COBOT actually supporting that. That's the one positive thing. The number of, I would say the big applications that we, or more, the newest applications we're seeing today are really coming out of the medical and pharmaceutical <clears throat> that, that I've been seeing that are new. So you just talked about Espen, but there's a whole bunch of new ideas, whether it's, you um, UVD, so, you know, trying to kill the virus with um, uh, UV light, lighting laser and stuff. So there's a whole bunch of different things coming up that I think are driven by the crisis. Um, Beyond those applications, of course, there is so many new inventions coming up with our technology inside, whether it's the massaging cobot, whether it's the... um, you know, Cobot that's that's actually going out there in, in the more of the services environment, the, the pizza Cobot, so many different applications out there.
3: And so, Juergen, we talked about your partners and, and applications that are being developed, but we know that uh, Universal Robots came out with the E-Series not too long ago to help make Robots even uh, more precise. Uh, what's Universal Robots working on now? What are your own technologies? What can we expect soon from you?
2: Yeah, so I think you know one. One of the things is my what I was saying before was the innovation piece, right? If we divide the innovation up, we have our platform, which is the cobot. It's the hardware and software that we offer, and and I think we're we're going to be innovating around that, and and the, and the true innovation around that will be much more focused on applications. So I think if you look back, you would. See you know, go back from, you know, from 2020 backwards, you would see us very much being a robot company. And uh, that's, that's really what we were. I would hope if you look forward and we go to 2025, you would see that UR has transformed itself into much more of an applications company. And, and that comes back down to the fact that customers are not looking to buy a cobot or a robot they're looking to solve a problem that they have in their production. And, you know, it's, it's important for us to be able to offer that with our ecosystem. And that's really the innovation we're trying to focus on is how do we start um, getting this application competence and the applications requirements and specifications right through everything we do as a company um, and not just as a company producing a, a robot or a cobot. That's not, you know, that's not gonna help us in the future. Did that shift sort of start with the UR Plus application kits? Exactly. So we, when we when we look at mid-year last year, we, we basically um, had that understanding that we had to make a change in our approach. So um, if we look at the UR Plus ecosystem, there's so many partners. There's so much activity that we're not taking advantage of. And that's exactly what, what we decided was, we have to kind of come with this um, solutions orientation to help our customers and the ecosystem to come to that solution quicker. That's kind of the approach we have with that.
3: In terms of Unzen, Denmark, that's one of the most vibrant robotics clusters in Europe, if not in the world. Uh, How, can you talk a little bit about what it's like to be located there and how that has also managed to keep growing because even though we know that Universal and Mir and others are owned by Terradine here in the U.S. Uh, there's this very vibrant community in Denmark.
2: Yeah, it's pretty unique. And, and I think one of the things that I, I believe one, the, the first prerequisite, of course, is that we had um, you are being very successful. So you have some successful businesses like you are, like Mir now. Um, being here, which is basically those anchor companies that are have a global presence, um, but they're located in UNS2. That's the first part I think. There. The second one is I think the fact that we have a strong um, educational uh, base here with the university offering a very strong program is for us essential. Um, and I think that that, that combination of having the, um, the, the local government uh the, on, on the robotic cluster universities and the companies together has allowed us to attract a lot of new uh, investment into the local region. So I think this is kind of a recipe for other countries, other regions as well. We're talking with Juergen von Holland, president of Universal
1: Robots. Juergen, what, one topic that, uh, it, you know, it's always, it's always around. People are always talking about it, but sort of the pandemic has, you know, put an extra emphasis on it. Is reshoring of production? How much reshoring of production have you seen in the U.S. in Europe? And you know, do you see more of that coming in the pi- uh, down the pipeline?
2: Yeah, no, I think it's a good good question, right? I think you know, if we look back um, before the crisis, so pre pre COVID, I would say that our biggest driver for most businesses was driven around labor shortage was, was the key, key question for most companies and yes, efficiencies, but that was the driver. If we look post crisis, I would say business continuity is probably become one of the key drivers for most companies. And, and like with ourselves, we have had realized for the first time that business continuity, we did not have a, you know, COVID crisis as a scenario in our planning. And I think what has happened now is that this concept of your supply chain needs to be robust. And in fact, you may not have the ability to offshore all your um, components and parts because they may not be able to come into your country, wherever you may be. So that, that has, I think, the crisis has woken up many, many leaders to realize they, they need to go back and, and test their supply chain and make sure the core components are capable. And we've seen that now we, we have multiple customers that are in that process, whether it's in France, in the US um, that are going through the process right now, um, where it's, it's not necessarily about efficiency, but it's definitely about business continuity driving that decision.
3: And obviously, Universal, having been a leader in the collaborative robotics space, then um, and- you know that obviously there's a lot of other companies now getting into that space and so how do you view the the market for collaborative robots in the competitive sense because uh you are the leader but there are lots of up-and-coming companies that are trying to offer uh robots that offer similar or, or s- capabilities
2: yeah I, you know so i think the market is a is growth market right so i think you know we, we we're in this because we believe in the long-term potential of the market and as long as we see significant potential and growth in the market, we're gonna see more and more companies, you know, attracted to the market and they will introduce new products. That, that is a given uh, from, from our, what I see. I think our, our potential that, you know, from a forecast perspective, if we look at those companies, I, I have no problem with that because I do think, like I was saying before, Awareness of collaborative robots and what they can do is something we cannot do by ourselves. So this awareness, with every new entrant into the market, is a positive. And I I, I love good competition. So it's really about you know that that is also a driver for us, where we've been very much alone for a long time. We, we, with good competitors coming up, that's a positive. I I, I really think we have the capability to position ourselves and differentiate ourselves with against most of them because of our, our experience, but also because of the business model that I was explaining before.
1: Uh, just to, to sort of wrap up, you know, what, what are some trends for collaborative robots that you
2: see from a tech perspective? The sensor technology out there. So the stuff that's on top of the platform of the cobot, I do believe... That we're going to see significant innovations around that market. I do think it's very a very fragmented market when we look at sensors, um, but I, I do believe we will get better at really being able to simplify the application deployment of cobots. And I think more and more people will be able to um, leverage the cobot technology because I, I do believe focusing on applications. Uh, and cobots in those applications will simplify things. I I would say that I know people, and especially technical people, love to see complex solutions and applications, but those are probably not the ones we should be focused on. There's so many easy applications that add so much benefit for customers. So really what I'd like to see is more of those kind of pick-and-place applications, machine-tending applications that are just easy to do, that would be the, um, the optimal for me. But that's, I also believe the trend will be that, that we will start seeing that the collaborative robot market really becomes clearer as to what segment of application that it really is the sweet spot for them.
3: Well, and then it'll be interesting to see how these trends unfold. Uh, I think a lot of people might have started 2020 with an expectation of things a lot of those expectations have had to change but I I think it'll be uh, uh, fun to watch as robotics helps people with the recovery Um, now we have some some more casual questions like Steve said and so what's your personally favorite or least favorite thing about working from home right now? (laughs)
2: So, yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's been probably the most uh, drastic change in my life has been the fact that I was spending probably 75% of my career traveling. Um, So really home on weekends and and that's it. So this has been a real challenge for me in the beginning. I would say the first four to six weeks was a challenge because simply I, I have a relatively large family. We have four children and we were all in the same house at the same time. And and that was a challenge, just trying to get the um, the network to work uh, was a challenge in itself. So um, as you can hear, the network is not great. So (laughs) those things I I had to then actually schedule time that I would be the only person using the Internet. But that was an example. But I would say the benefit of it has been that I've probably gotten to know my family Way better, and it was a great opportunity to be able to figure this out and and really live together because when you have teenagers, you don't see them that much, anyways. Here, they were forced to stay home with me, so it's been a good opportunity to do that. What's your
1: this can be a a real robot, it can be a fictional robot. Uh, Maybe, maybe I'll ask that you mention one that's not a universal robot, but what's your all time favorite robot?
2: Do you have one? You know, I, th- I think the, um, I'm, I'm just going to probably bring it out of my private life, which is to find a robot that can take my dog for a walk would save me about an hour a day of conflict <laughs> with so. is a
1: that, human. Is that a hint at something coming down the line for Universal
2: Robots? <laughs> that would be a heck of a challenge. But yeah, I, I actually saw a video of somebody using a drone to take their dog for a walk, but that's a, a tough one.
3: Well, and you mentioned, you know, not being able to travel. I know you and I bumped into each other uh, in Boston and at train shows around the country and around the world. Um, but when travel inevitably does return, where would you like to go first?
2: <laughs> so, you know, I think there's, there's two things that I'm, I'm um, a little bit sad about the fact that we could not do. One, one was uh, I do a, a yearly President's Club award trip where the best salespeople and the people that really live the core values of you are um that that we couldn't do which would have been actually uh, a week ago um so that was one thing where i i, I felt that uh w- was was uh, unfortunate and i think the other where, one would
3: where be, was that going to be
2: <laughs> in italy oh. <laughs> and, and yeah so it's um yeah. So it was, it was, it was um, it, it, and people are really excited about those things. And I, I, I really have the it's a chance to get to know the people and their partners. And because people spend so much time working, I really believe in understanding, getting to understand them better as well. Um, so that was one thing. And I think the other part would be, I want to travel to those places where I think we're, we're, we're challenged and understand better. So it's, it's really those areas where, where they're struggling um, whatever that may be, right? So I, I think we're, we're, we're currently, um, if I look at Asia, we're, we're picking up again. Um, North America is is still struggling. So I think it, it would probably be North America where I, I'd feel um, as the first trip. Well, you know, we hope to see you in person sometime soon
1: too. Uh, you know, it's obviously a much different world right now, but uh, Jürgen von Holland, president of Universal Robots, Thank you, sir, for joining us on the Robot Report podcast, and be well. We'll talk soon.
2: Thank you
0: very much. We have a slew of automation information coming your way, so if you aren't already following The Cobot Show, follow us here on Spotify. This episode and many others are available on our website at universal-robots.com slash podcast. If you have a specific question about what we discussed today, looking for next steps in automation, or you have a suggestion for a future podcast, send us an email at ur.na universal-robots.com. Thanks for listening.